I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name is Bill. I'm here with my good buddy, Gardo Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm glad that you're here with us. I'm glad to be here. I'm always glad to be here to share these scriptures, to look, take a look at them along with you guys. I am too, Guard Dog Steve, and we're in year two, week two, and as you can tell, I got some sort of sinus infection or cold, and so excuse me, I sound like I'm talking out of a rain barrel. <laughs> it's, not. O- it's okay as long as the word is good. And it might have OD'd on Claritin. <laughs> I'm a little drowsy. That doesn't hinder the spirit, hopefully. The spirit is energy. It's the essence of energy. It is. So maybe we could just start off with a prayer because, Father right. God, we welcome your spirit. We pray that you would give us... As our and as well as our listening audience, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that you would put the scriptures you want to teach on our lips and on the podcast, and most, most, most importantly. We pray that you would continue to give us a revelation of how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and that we could know that love that surpasses knowledge so that we would be filled, controlled, influenced by this love through your spirit to the measure of all the fullness of you, Jesus. It's in your name. Your authority, your power, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Amen, Bill. I've been doing a a men's study, you know, for quite a few years with these these uh, great bunch of guys that go to my my church, and we just started one on John one. Uh, we did the the three epistles. One thing about John, he was the one that boasted about being the disciple that Jesus loved. I was looking at at that word that's left out of the Gospel of John for some reason, but it's in the other three Gospels when Jesus is on the account when Jesus is baptized, where the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. I was looking up that word beloved. It's 
It's an adjective. And it, you know what it really means? This is my son whom I am loving. It means who is being loved. But First John 1 John 1.3 says, Beloved. Now we are the children of God. So when and when Jesus is baptized, he's saying, "Were you saying First John three one? Did I say that? You I said one three. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep, yep. That's the Claritin. Yep. First John three one. You're thanks for for yeah, uh, getting yeah, that right. Yeah. We should have Steve. Steve can quote all of uh, John's epistles word for word from beginning to end. So. That's why he was able to quickly, without too much embarrassment, correct me. So 1 John 3 1 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And that's the technon word, little children. And what we shall be is not yet known, but when he appears, remember that's our word, Fanaru. Fanaru. Rendered apparent. Mm-hmm. The adjective is shining. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Yes. So when you talk about how do you clean up your life, how do you purify your life, you know what it is? You have this hope that you're waiting on him to appear. Him you, to appear through you. To manifest himself through you. During any part of the day. And just having that hope, you know what it does? Well, according to this verse, it says, everyone who has this hope purifies himself. How much does it purify? Just as he is pure. Yes. Quite a promise. Yes, it is. And so, beloved means being loved. The one being loved. And I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way but you're the one being loved by God a continuous being loved by God amen and so going back to the baptism of John it's the one that doesn't say this is my son my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased but it says in John 150 well back up before that we, we need to get something and before that, okay. do, you, do you happen to remember John one twenty nine? Yeah, the it talks about where they saw Jesus come to him. John did, yes. And he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." What's unique about that? Does it sound like? Did you read that right, Guard Dog Steve? Did it say yeah. plural? Nope. It said the sin. It's unique and overlooked. Overlooked. Apparently, there is one, there is the sin of the world. And that is a significant observation to make the fact that he's saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Very significant. Okay, it is significant because the sin of the world did great damage to creation. It did catastrophic damage 
to the relationship with Adam and God and really all mankind and God. In fact, in Ephesians 1, 3, we emphasize he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, holy and blameless. Word there, foundation of the world, the word, it's foundation of the cosmos, but it's not the tithame word for laid down foundation usually get. The word katabala, which is a violent term. So when it says he chose us in him, He's saying before the this, before the thrown down cosmos, the thrown down cosmos, the Katabala cosmos, cosmos, cosmos is the word translated world a lot of times. Right. It means the orderly arrangement. It, it's a beautiful description of the six days of creation where God set all the boundaries set everything in order. Each day of creation, he would say good. And then on the sixth day, he said good, very good. On the sixth day, towards the end of the day, five o'clock or so, he created, he formed man from the dust of the earth. And he was given him the name Adam, which that's what that means. And it says he breathed into him the breath of lives. Adam means mankind, right? Yes, Adam means mankind. And God breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living soul, living being. Amen. And the first thing that Adam ever saw was face-to-face fellowship, friendship. Someone that loved him and had just given him life. The sin... In John three twenty nine or one twenty nine, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. When John the Baptist said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world," is literally the Lamb of God that reverses the thrown down cosmos. Wow! Reverses the broken fellowship. Wow! Reverses the lie that Adam believed and everyone from Adam has believed ever since. And what was the lie that Adam believed? Or because of the serpent, Adam believed. Adam was told that you could eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the reason God does not want you to eat from it because he's afraid you'll realize you are like him knowing good from evil by knowing good from evil it's also implied that you'll be able to avoid the evil conquer the evil and do the good that'll have a sovereignty of your own that's what satan forgot to point out and that's that was the lie that adam believe that we could know good and evil and do good because we had the power to do good we had the sovereignty yes yes to do it we're in control yes and the lie was not that 
we were like we would be like God because we were created in his mirror image. But the lie was that you could be like God but not depend on, on God. God. Yes. What you just said, be like God but independent of God. Yes, that you could be like God and not have to depend on God. That was the hoax of the serpent. And Jesus came demonstrating, although he being very nature God, did not help me. Are you talking about Philippians? Yeah. Did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. But he he lowered himself, lower than the angels. He took on the form of a human. Dependent on God. Dependent on God. And Jesus said... I only do what I see the Father doing. No, nope, I correct you. He said, I only can do what I see the Father doing. Very important. Did. Yeah, yeah. Much better. Yeah. I can only do what I see the Father doing. And it wasn't like he had a, a telescope where he could see up to the third heaven and watch what God was doing as he sat on the altar. That wasn't the way he meant yeah. see God doing. He meant see God doing in him. He can only do what he sees God doing in him. And isn't that how we're supposed to live? Isn't that how we what we've been covering for the last few episodes of Guardians of Grace? Amen. It's a beautiful truth, but we can see God working within us. We can train our senses to discern when God is working in us. And so what we call the fall, which happened from the sin, Jesus, or John the Baptist, pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, which is Adam's sin. The singular sin that has plagued the world Ever since then. Ever since then. And it was what got Adam banished from paradise, from the garden. Yes. And in a sense, you could say it was a closed heaven. Okay. From that point on. Okay. Because the angels were in front of Eden, blocking it off. Right. They would not let them reach out and get life. Get life when they felt so guilty. Which would have been a horrible thing. Yes, to feel guilty and naked and afraid and then have eternal life and live with that feeling all the time. God was doing them a solid by sparing them from an eternal life of guilt and shame. And so John the Baptist points this out and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The best explanation for the sin of the world is probably Romans 5. I think we should look at it. Yeah. Sorry. So, Romans 5, starting in verse 12, kind of have it in my mind in the NIV. Yeah, yeah. I hope you don't mind. No, go, go with it. So, Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as the sin entered the world through one man. Okay, let's stop right there. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go back to John one twenty nine. Okay. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Romans 5.12 Just as the sin entered the world through one man. And death, which is the curse, which is the thrown down cosmos, which is the fall, entered the world through the sin. And death spread to all men because all sin. For before the law was given, it says, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned like a king. I added like a king. Right. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even though, even over those who had not sinned, there we got the sin again, as Adam, okay, who was a pattern of the one to come. So, they all died because of the sin, sin. of the world. Yes, and they, they were dying even though there wasn't any Mosaic law to condemn them or judge them or they weren't guilty of breaking any law, but they were dying because of the sin, the singular sin. Exactly. It's important to realize that sin is not taken into account when there's no law. If there's not a law that says you can't commit adultery, if there's not a law that says you you can't kill someone else, if there's not a law that says any of these things that people were doing, the bad behavior that they were doing, you can't count it as breaking a command. So it says here that people from Adam all the way to Moses all died, but it wasn't until Moses that we started getting commandments. Yes. Right? So whose sin or what was the sin they were getting the death penalty for it's the singular sin this monster that we need to make everybody familiar with it's called the sin yes and it was committed by adam you're about that, to say something it just reminded me when cain killed abel god said to cain why is your countenance so low if you do what's good I'll bless you, but sin is crouching down beside you, wanting to master you. And sin did master Cain, and Cain killed Abel. And sin has mastered the sin, the personified sin, the sin guy, has been mastering people throughout generation to generation to generation till Paul finally says, it's not me who does the evil I do not want, but the sin that dwells in me. For the sin wages war in my members and makes me a prisoner of the sin. Absolutely. In fact, I think from Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, 
sin is always the same except one place, but it's always a singular noun. It's not a verb, sinning. It, and it's personified. Sin sprang to life it's with com- the commandment. Yes. So now we see how big this is when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, removes the sin of the world. So that's what he was talking about. Yeah, not all our sins. He, he didn't say who takes away all our sins. He said takes away the sin of the world. And that's best described when we get into 514. Mm-hmm. So he says, therefore just says, the sin entered the world through one man and the death which is singular too, got its entrance through the sin, and that way all sin. For before the law was given, the sin was in the world, but sin is not being taken into account without law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin the way Adam did, which was to break a direct commandment. And that reign is like he was master over everybody. Ruling over them. Ruling over everybody. Ruling, reigning, holding them captive. All these words are described that imprisoning them, Mm -hmm. enslaving them, tyrannical, like a tyrannical king over them, mastering them like a slave master. Nothing good. No, not good at all. That's the sin that we're talking about. See how we're we're exposing everybody here to to a truth that is is hard to to recognize here in the Bible, especially if you just breeze over John chapter one, where you see John the Baptist saying, "Oh, hey Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." There's the sin is such a significant two little words and needs to have meaning. I hope everybody's got a mental picture of what John the Baptist said to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the The sin sin. that we've been describing. Okay, we're gonna get back to John. Mm -hmm. We talked about the sin, the way Paul described it, as the sin of Adam. And John calls it the sin of the world, the singular sin of the world that Jesus came to take away. Exactly. But there's some observations. So starting in Genesis 3, this is how the cosmos got thrown down into chaos. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. He never said, You can't touch it. Isn't that serpent crafty? Just makes commandments for us to to master us. Right. Verse 4, The serpent said, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from the trees, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave it some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves it says here together and made coverings for themselves so remember that fig leaf okay verse 8 the man and his wife the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord the i am god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from his presence among the trees of the garden but the lord god called to the man where are you so the first question asked in the bible is from god to adam or mankind and it comes after the fall after the thrown down cosmos and it's not because God doesn't know where he is. He's, you're not going to hide from God. But he, he wants Adam to know he's not in a good place. So he says, what place are you now? You're not in my I amness. I'm not everything for you. you. You ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for the first time you... They were naked before, but now they're naked and ashamed. And that is the description of the word death that's used over and over in Romans 6, 7, and 8. Sin sprang to life life and I I died. Death is at work in me. Mm -hmm. Um, Sin deceived me and put me to death. Isn't that what just happened here? Exactly. The sin deceived her and put them to death. That death isn't a physical death, although they did eventually die, but they lived quite a few hundred hundred years years after that. Yes, but that is one of the aspects of death, and it's an important aspect to know that the idea of being so ashamed that you, you wish you were dead, so to speak, is one of the definitions of death. It's one of the ways in which the Bible uses the word death. And so when Jesus, when John the Baptist says, Behold, check out this, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, that means he's going to take away that reproach, that feeling of naked and ashamed, that feeling of embarrassment, that feeling of not adding up that they never were supposed to live by. But you know, they never would really fully appreciate the love of God had they not fallen. So let's go back to John chapter 1. Okay. And could we pick it up around verse 44, 45 when he's... Sure. When people are being drawn to Jesus. You might have to bear with me. My eyes aren't working very good tonight. But now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote about. 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you from under the fig tree, I saw you. So what did Adam and Eve cover themselves with? Figs. Figlies. It's kind of a little symbolism there that he's under the covering of a fig tree. If he's under the covering of a fig tree, then he's not in the presence of God. Then he's feeling the effects of the thrown down cosmos. He's feeling the effects of what is a banishment or a closed heaven, a shut out paradise, which is the word for garden. Garden. So Jesus says in verse 50, what, Steve? He's going to blow his mind. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree you believe, you shall see greater things than these. And he went on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wow. Now, isn't that a, a recounting of the dream Jacob had in exactly, exactly Genesis 28, I think it is? Right. Where he falls asleep on a stone, and he has this dream that there's a ladder coming down from heaven, and the angels... The messengers of God are ascending and descending, taking revelation back and forth from heaven to earth and earth to heaven, coming and going. And he says, the Lord was with me and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. The I am is actually what it is. It says the I am was with me. Jesus says, doesn't he say that exact word, except he doesn't use ladder? What does he use? On the Son of Man. Himself. Yes. I'm the way, the truth. I'm the one that's going to reverse the effects of the sin. We're getting ready to see the sin of the world be taken away. We're getting to see that heaven is no longer shut out from man, but it is wide open. Doesn't he say that? You shall see an open heaven? Behold, I say to you that you will. And it, you can't overemphasize the... Does your say truly, truly, or yes. amen, amen? Truly, truly, I say to you. It's it's literally the word amen, amen. amen. Some translations say, I tell you the truth. Right. It's a legal term. It's what you say in court. I'm, do you swear that this testimony is yeah. true? I'm swearing says, that the testimony to you, Nathaniel, is true. absolutely true. It's not something Nathaniel can understand, though, but he's telling him an absolute truth, which he does throughout the whole Gospel of John. And each of these truths 
are directly related to the eternal life and the new man. The new man is the spirit man inside of us. In other words, you're saying that every time he says, amen, amen, the next words out of his mouth are going to be something about the divine nature or the new man or the spirit that lives or will live in us. They're all synonymous terms. The the spirit life, the Mm -hmm. spirit of God, the spirit of Christ in us, Mm -hmm. the new man, the new creation, and as well as the new life, the eternal life, Mm -hmm. Uh, the new life, the eternal life, the the life of the Spirit, the life of Christ, all mean the same thing. Right. And he's giving testimony over and over throughout the, the Gospel of John, saying, I'm, I'm telling you the absolute truth. This new life and this uh, new man, this new creation. So Jesus is testifying to the disciples. He's giving a testimony of the things that are going to take place. Yeah. In fact, in Revelation 3, he's called the Amen. Uh, The end of John, the Gospel of John, he says, this is the testimony of this disciple. Yes. Which would be John. There's a difference between a testimony and a revelation. Which is what Paul gives in the epistles. Right. And why couldn't we have a revelation here? Mm-hmm. Because the Spirit had not been given The yet. Spirit had not yet been given. When we got the Spirit, that's when we learned in 1 Corinthians about the things freely given to us. Exactly. When we got the Spirit, that's when we... Could comprehend spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. Yes. Which is where the revelation is. And it was the Spirit that brings the revelation it was the spirit that first said in that day Jesus said you will know that I am in you and you are in me and the father is in me and the spirit is in me and you until then no you won't know this but he overly overly emphasizes it by saying the double amen I'm telling you the absolute cannot say anything different truth Right, that's when he's testifying. There's some big wow when he says it. Nobody ever comprehends what he says when he no. testifies. But he's really saying in John one twenty nine, John probably doesn't understand. He's in jail and he doesn't understand why he's in jail. It's exactly. not working out like he thought. But he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He just gave a testimony testified to a truth that's the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world and then we see here he says jesus says amen amen i tell you the absolute truth what happened in adam is going to be reversed you're going to see an open heaven and you're going to see the angels the messengers of god ascending and descending the same dream that jacob had but they're not ascending and descending on the ladder. And the ladder was the instrument that people climb up and down on. In those Old Testament characters were climbing up and down in Jacob's dream on a ladder. This is just a, isn't it 
it's a type a, and shadow. It's a type and shadow. It's a picture of this reality that Christ is the way, the truth, and the the life. It's also interesting that this is all pictured in a baptism. And the picture of baptism, what it really is, is if we could understand it, we, we kind of have a distorted, well, I'm not speaking for everyone, I do, because I'm used to when I see someone at church get baptized, they go down in the water and then they come back up and everyone applauds and then they get out of the baptism tank and they, they leave. But baptism really is, if it's a true representation, you don't see the person get up. They, the, they stay dead in there. And that is a picture of the old man dying. Now, we know that the new man is Christ, and that's what all of the Gospel of John is testimonies of the new man and the new life. And earlier we went to Romans 5, starting in verse 12, and we saw who the old man was, which was Adam. We saw the old life was the Adamic life, and we see the new man and the eternal life is Christ. Didn't it say the same thing when we went over a few podcasts back in, in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, where we have the new man and the old man. We have the first man and the second man. We have the earthly man and the man from heaven. Yes. That's what Jesus is. He's the way to get from crucifying the old man of us, which is the Adamic life, which we don't want anymore. And he gets us to the new life or the heavenly life, the man from heaven. And so Jesus came in love and he came to give us this new life. The essence of the gospel is the new man of us and the new life of us. And it's manifesting that. The letter of First John uses a couple words that, well, in First John 4, he says... When he appears or when he manifests, it was that Fanaru word. Now we are the children of God, but what we shall, how we shall appear is not yet made known to us. But when he appears, we shall appear with him because we shall see him as he is. And then everyone who has this hope that we're going to shine like he is because it's the new life, the new man and the new life shining through us. Everyone who has this hope, this idea of certainty, purifies themselves as they are, purifies themselves as they already are pure. Look at some of these. Say 1 John 2, 5 says, But what whoever obeys his word, truly is it in this person the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. And let me read this one. Dear friends, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, I used to read these and say, well, you know, he did it for us. We ought to do it for him. And it reminded me of the last podcast that you were 
flying solo on, doesn't it talk about loving one another, serving one another, laying down your life for one another? Well, you're not going to do that unless it's his life. It's the new man and the eternal life doing it through you, shining through you. That word, let's see, back in 1 John 2, 5. But whoever obeys his word truly in this person, the love of God has been perfected. It's the word teleos, and it's perfect is, is a, perfected is a, a good translation, but it also means the total completion of a single act. So the total completion of the single act was to put to death the old man, the Adam life, and bring to life the new man who... All day long. All day I wish, long. I wish. <laughs> and when, he, when that task is completed, mm-hmm. that means we're loving other people. Mm-hmm. We're not loving other people because we made a decision that I'm just, by golly, I'm just going to start loving other people. Nope, it was an abundance of the Spirit that caused us to love the other people. By the Spirit, God was working in us to will and do His good pleasure. Amen. It's our word, I pair again. Yeah. <laughs> in the abundance of. Right. Out of the abundance. Of the Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mouth speaks, the 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 acts are carried out through the abundance of whatever is manifesting. Amen. I'll read one more. First John five eleven. And this is the testimony. Remember we said John's gospel is a he's testifying. He's known as the apostle that testified to these things. So he says, and this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. That's the life of the Spirit, is the eternal life as compared to the life of Adam. And this life is in his Son, First John five twelve. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the eternal life. Oh, boy. I did it again, didn't I? I brought bad news. It doesn't mean what we think it does, does it? Never did, never did, but I thought it did for many a year. Go ahead. What what does that mean? The one that isn't manifesting the life isn't yeah. manifesting the Son of God. He He's manifesting the Adam life. The Adamic life. That's all that means. Yes. doesn't mean you don't believe. It doesn't mean you blew it. No, he is proving by manifesting the life of Christ, that he has Christ. That's what he's proving. Yeah, and that Christ is manifesting himself through the person because the person is a vessel, an earthen vessel that carries around the all-surpassing power of God. Isn't Christ the power of God in 1 Corinthians one twenty four? One twenty four, yeah. Isn't Christ the wisdom of God? Same the, the verse. power and wisdom, 124. And he's the life. He's the eternal life. He is. We'll have to do a podcast on that word eternal. Oh, boy. That's a big word, too. But what do you think, our dog Steve? I think it's pretty amazing that after the Old Testament was played itself out, and as you mentioned earlier, 400 years of silence... And all of a sudden, on the scene shows up the promise 
from Genesis 3. Yeah. The promised seed, the promised life, the most new man. The, how do I say it? The new man is the new life. The son of man is the son of God. That was Peter's revelation. Yes. The son of man was Eve's seed. Yes. That's the promised seed. Yes. The son of man. Right. The seed that has enmity with the serpent. Yes. And the son of man, as Peter, flesh and blood, didn't reveal it to him. The son of man is also the son of God. So the new seed that takes the place of the old seed lives a perfect life, goes to the cross and dies. That's what a picture of baptism was. And this is what I wish we would get. I wish I would get it. I'll say it for me. Baptism was a picture of the death and burial of the old man or the endemic life or the natural life or the temporal life. Yes. It represents the death of everything that we do not like about ourselves. It's the part of us that always failed that was put in the grave and then the spirit was resurrected the new man was resurrected that's the amen that's That's, the good news that's the good news that's the if by the spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh yes we live in the eternal life right the The new life the eternal life manifests itself if we keep trying to put to death the deeds of the the old man of us, the flesh. Deny our, yourself. By denying ourselves. Yeah. Gritting our teeth. It's not good. No. It's no. Ugly. We, but we don't have to. No. We can live by the Spirit. That's what we want everybody to know. That's what the podcast is about. Living by the Spirit. Let the Spirit do for you what you can't do for yourself. Exactly. That is what this podcast is all about. And that is what the new man and the new life is able to accomplish in and through us. Amen. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your spirit. Your spirit is our teacher tonight. These truths about the new man and the new life maybe aren't understood, but we do know they are absolutely true. And I pray that you not only allow us to see that they're absolutely true, but I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what it means. What does it mean that we have the new life available to us 24-7? Because we are a new creation. I pray your Holy Spirit open the eyes of our understanding So that not only can we understand that we have the new life, but we can rely on the new life every day, every moment. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Bill. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good night, everybody. We love you. Good night. We love you.